Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. This podcast is sponsored by IG Trading and Investments. And, well, they would be ecstatic in one way because it's been the most compelling test match. It ebbed and flowed, didn't it? With Australia at 209 for seven, with Pat Cummings coming to the crease, really, England should have won from there. But but it just sort of slipped away, didn't it? And great credit to Pat Cummings, who finished 44 not out and never put a foot wrong throughout his innings, throughout the the different things that England threw at him, uh, from new ball, old ball, spinners, field back, bouncer tactics, etc., etc. But he just managed to weather that whole impact that England tried to have on him, and he stood up and, and was counted at the end. The Australian captain, triumphant. Yeah, fantastic from Pat Cummings. The highest score by a batter coming in at nine or lower ever to win a test match in the fourth innings. 44 not. It doesn't seem a lot, does it, from from number nine or or lower. But they they had no chance of winning that game, did they, at one stage? It seemed they were 227 for eight as well. So 50 partnership for that ninth wicket. It looked initially as if they were going to block out, didn't they? He he patted a few back and suddenly bang, bang against Root, two sixes. And what do you think about Root bowling that extra over? He got the wicket of Carey, the new ball was available, it was over 50 to win, only two wickets in hand. And eventually by the time England got to the new ball, it just felt a little bit late. It certainly felt late to have a more conventional new ball field, whereas if you've got 50 to win then you can have the field up a bit. You can bowl a bit more conventionally with a new ball, yeah, possibly. I, I think there were two things in Stokes' mind, though, about taking the new ball. Uh, one was, actually, the new ball hasn't done much in this test match. It tended to move more, as we've said in previous podcasts, in the, the sort of 20 to 30 over phase, rather than when it's brand new. And secondly, 
I think it was just a bit easier to score off. I mean, look at that shot that Nathan Lyon played, an outrageous sort of flick over mid-on against the, the second new ball, Stuart Broad, uh, which I'm sure he wouldn't have been able to time against the older ball. It was harder to score with the older ball because it just wasn't coming onto the bat. It wasn't bouncing very much. It was sort of hitting low on the bat and, and sort of plopping. And it was much harder to attack, I think. So that was one of the reasons that Stokes delayed taking the second new ball. And also, he did because he didn't really have... A, a very fast bowler. He broad, obviously hadn't bowled that many overs, but Anderson didn't have much impact in the game. Ollie Robbins, a good bowler, but not really of, of top pace. Therefore, he perhaps felt Root was, was posing the most problems on a fifth-day pitch. So it was a really difficult decision to make. I suppose, in the end, the 14 off Joe Root's last over, Pat Cummins' two big sixes, probably turned turned his decision for him. I don't think it was. I don't think it was too late. Actually, it could have still worked. But actually, Nathan Lyon held up an end very well and finished up. You know, one of <laughs> virtually. Every, you, we made the point yesterday, or you made the point yesterday, that uh, uh, England's England's innings, everyone got into double figures, and the same is true of the Australian innings. Only Steve Smith from yesterday got dismissed for six, and everyone else made a contribution in double figures, even and you know Nathan Lyon, they're 16 not out. So it shows it was a difficult pitch to shift even lower order batsmen on. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We, we, people have commented on this pitch. A lot of people have said, oh, this is a terrible pitch. You know, right early on in the game, throughout the game, I've heard others say it you know, at, at the end as well. But it produced one of the most incredible Ashes Test matches that you know finished at well, nearly half past seven on the final day. I know there was rain involved, and that, that you know, made a difference, didn't there? There was some time taken out of the game. But it was a pulsating, a gripping game, even though the pitch wasn't that good. You think back to Raul Pindi when England won there, in you know, dramatic circumstances just before it got dark. That was a, a terrible pitch, wasn't it? That produced an amazing game. It's funny, isn't it? You, know, you, you think that these surfaces, they're not conducive to great cricket, but actually... Uh, it, it was compelling throughout and exhausting as well. It was an exhausting test match for those people who were you know, here the, the, all the five days. The players must be absolutely physically and mentally shattered after that game. And, and I think that's what happens, especially with Ashes matches, doesn't it? Because it is two teams going at, a, at each other, hammer and tongs, for four or five days with no real break in the weather, apart from obviously this morning where uh, play was delayed until after lunch. But it, 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 it is just a test of your physicality as much as it is your mental strength. And because it's a five-test series, you don't want to go one down because you feel that momentum could get get away from you after that. It's often the case, isn't it, in uh, Ashes series. If you lose the first test, especially if you're in Australia, if you lose the first test, it's very hard to come back. So you've got to go at it full bore, this first test. And the, the pitch was so un, sort of unrelenting. It, de- it didn't give the bowlers anything. Yeah. So they had to put in you know, maximum uh, you know, kind of energy, stretching every sinew to try and get something out of it. Ben Stokes, quote, we're absolutely devastated that we've lost. The lads up there are in pieces. But if the game's not attracting people to our sport, then I'm not sure uh, what will. Do you feel that being part of something like this is sort of enough for England supporters, or do you think, and actually the England players, they'll feel that the Test match sort of got away from them a bit. It was a game they really should have won. I mean, they, they were, you sort of felt in, it, they made the running for most of the game, didn't they? In a way, I mean, Australia played a completely different sort of game. Even Usman Khawaja today, you know, he was just 
chiseling them out one after you know one 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 and when he got out you thought hold on a second he scored too slowly because actually mm. brought the new ball back into it England you know they did make the run they did declare they have missed quite a lot of chances in the match and even there at, at the end with that pull shot from Nathan Lyon okay it would have been a catch for the ages wouldn't it that, that Ben Stokes diving back right-handed but if he got it then England probably would have won the game uh, so I, I wonder whether for England there will be that sense of a real opportunity lost fantastic win for Australia you sort of feel they've won from behind, really. Mm. But England, yeah, they, they, they could have, they had the opportunities to close them out of the match. I suppose, it really, what Australia have done is sort of absorbed England's impetus and, and gradually worn them down. And Kawaja is the sort of def- definition of that. I thought he batted too slowly in the second innings and actually put his lower order under pressure. But it worked, didn't it, in the end? I know he got out. Of course, Ben Stokes had to get involved and, and get that key wicket. I thought it left the lower order too much to do, but uh, we figured without Pat Cummins, who's batting over the last couple of years, hasn't actually kicked on. In fact, it's probably declined, and he was sliding down the order and batting below Mitchell Stark in recent times, so coming in at number nine. But he's always had a very good technique. He's always had a very strong resolve, and he just brought you know his A game out today. It was fascinating, wasn't it, watching that last session, trying to, England trying to get him off strike, trying to tempt him into miscues, trying to have a go at Nathan Lyon, and, and Lyon actually held up very well. What England really needed at that point was someone bowling 90 miles an hour just to, to try and knock over the tail, but you can't have 12 men on the field. It's quite odd watching Mark Wood running on and off, and you think, oh, God, wouldn't you just have loved him there to, towards the end to, to rough up the, the tail and, and, and finish them off? Substitutes in cricket, yours. That's what, that's what well, we need. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when England look back on it, that they're, if you are in the field in the, in the fourth innings on a very dry pitch, you want a frontline spinner. Uh, yeah. Moen Ali obviously struggling with his finger and four, 14 overs, two mags, one for 57. He had to keep going off the field. He could bowl a few overs and then he bowled a couple of long ops and, and had to be relieved. I thought Joe Root actually bowled really well, but I suppose he showed his you know, lack of test class in the end by that over when he went for, for, for 14 and he just couldn't prize that last key wicket out. I mean, he did incredibly well as a part-time spinner, but England didn't have a front-line spinner. Nathan Lyon took eight wickets mm. in the match, and probably that was the difference between the teams. Yeah, I was just about to say, I, th- I was also going to make that point. I think you know, Lyon, we knew, he's, he's a banker, isn't he, for, for Australia. He, he turns up, he does it match after match, another haul today, and he, and he helped win the game with the bat. I thought he played really well. OK, he gave that chance. He kept on pulling. He gave that chance to Ben Stokes, a difficult catch. But I think shot of the match almost, that that flick over mid-on for four in the, in the circumstances, you know, with Australia you know, trying to inch their way uh, towards victory, clipping Stuart Broad over mid-on was a fantastic stroke. But, I, yeah, I, I thought that that department was what, probably what won Australia the game. You, th- you think about the, the spinners between them in that second innings, England, that is, 29 overs, Four maidens, two for a hundred on a pitch that you know a, a spinner. Okay, not much pace in it, but a spinner wouldn't mind bowling on. Well, if you had Graham Swan, say yeah. someone like that of that ability, even Monty Panesar, you know, someone of that skill would have been a handful on the on the final day, and you could have kept them going one end and rotated the seamers at the other, but. He had to keep bringing, you know, Ollie Robinson back mm. or Jimmy Anderson with a, a spell in the middle there because he couldn't really rely on his spinners to keep it tight. Yeah, and and Moen Allen in the first innings as well, 33 overs, four maids, uh, 
two for 147. Admittedly, uh, you know, Nathan Lyon, uh, you know, took a bit of hit, didn't he, in that uh, first <clears throat> England innings, took four for 149 or 29 overs. So he did go around the park a little bit. Uh, he, was, he was whacked by Root towards the end when Root was in total control and Ben Stokes uh, pulled the pin on England's innings. They say you need 20 wickets to win a test match, Yoz. Australia didn't need 20 wickets here. Both sides took 18 wickets in the match. Uh, but England uh, make, choosing to to make that decision on the first day. We've talked about it a lot, and there's been so much comment on it. And it, you know, it, it, there were a lot of people saying no, they could understand the decision. Well, I think we both could understand the decision. Um, you you sort of thought it was okay. I I didn't agree with it, and lots of other people uh, didn't agree with it as well. I thought thought it was 35 minutes of free batting out there with a tired bowling. Yeah, I mean, attack. they only scored 14 in that session, so I mean, it didn't. It wasn't that costly doing that. Obviously, England could have added. No, another, I mean, yeah, they thought England, England could have, have added another on. 40 runs. I mean, I I'm not going to say that's the reason England lost. I'm going to say the reason England lost is they couldn't take 20 wickets, and that was what we started out saying. Uh, it, it, we're very excited about England's batting. We know what they can do. Can they take? 20 20 wickets on a flat pitch? The answer was no. Well, not against Australia, but they've been doing it consistently for a long time now, hasn't it? It's the first time for ages, actually, they haven't taken 20 wickets in a test match. Yeah, I just felt against this Australian team, they haven't got enough yeah. penetration and enough variety to take 20 wickets. And in the end, it proved that. I mean, it was a narrow, it was a narrow thing, but Australia did get over the line, to use a horrible cliche, with the ninth wicket pair at the wicket, you've got to take the 20 wickets. And despite Stokes's brilliant conjuring and rotating the bowling attack and you know changing fields around, you know he he managed to conjure up wickets like, for instance, Cameron Green mm. with a simple field change. He moved the deep square leg uh, from square leg to deep square leg for one ball, and Green changed his shot. Instead of playing a sort of more positive shot, he was sort of a bit un indecisive and dragged the ball into his stumps. I suppose the same is true a little bit of Kawaja. Slower ball from Stokes, just a, a, a different delivery, and he, a bit sort of casual, dragged it into his stumps. So, you know, even Stokes's sort of Midas touch, imagination, clever thinking wasn't quite enough to enable England to take the 20 wickets to win. What about Jimmy Anderson not bowling after the... 56th over. Jimmy in this game 17 overs, one maiden 0 for 56 in the second innings first innings 21 overs, 5 maidens uh, 1 for 53 so you know, steady but was he just totally negated by the conditions and the surface? I didn't think he bowled badly actually, I thought he bowled I thought he bowled alright, uh, there wasn't much for him, there was no swing the ball never swung in the match really consistently, there was a few times Stuart Broad got it to, to move away to, to Labuschagne in both innings but there wasn't much sideways movement either in the air or off the pitch and there was no pace in the pitch either so I, I, you know, I, I'd go back to the start of play the day before the test looking at the pitch I would have played Mark Wood instead of Jimmy Anderson. And I did say that at the time because I just don't think this is Anderson's sort of surface. If there's a little bit there, it's a little bit of green or a bit overcast, yes, maybe. But, you know, it's been a pretty nice weather until today and the pitch was dry. I just didn't think it suited him and I would have wanted that extra pace, especially you're looking at the, the weaknesses of some of the Australians Travis Head for instance Cameron Green actually looks vulnerable to the short ball obviously the lower order I wanted that bit of extra pace from Mark Wood but England went with Anderson I thought their attack was a bit samey and lacking a really good front line spinner their attack just wasn't good enough yeah well they 
they, they probably haven't got a front-line spinner. That's the issue for them, isn't it? And Well, that's why I've gone with Australia winning 3-1. That's why I, what I predicted at the start. I just don't feel England's bowling attack is good enough to win two or three test matches. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So what does that mean for the series? You know, Australia teams that win the first test, well, obviously they have an advantage, but they often go on to control the series. Not always the case, because Australia won in 2005 and lost the series. England won here in 1997 against that very good Australian side. It was a glorious romp from England to win in 1997. Nasser Sain's double hundred, Australia bowled out. You know, early, early on. on on the first yeah. day for about yeah. 120, uh, but Australia came back and, w- and won that series. But generally speaking, win the first test, yeah, you get a, a real nudge. Mm. I mean, I I think England uh, to win test matches against this Australian side, they need big runs because they need a, a lot of runs on the board to then uh, use scoreboard pressure to take wickets. And I think they need something in the pitch, ideally. So I I go against the recommendations of a lot of sages who say England should play Australia on flat pitches I think they should play them on slightly helpful pitches and they're back their batsmen to you know knock 400 off the Australian bowlers and back their bowlers to be able to utilize the conditions more effectively I mean it's a it's a bit of a long shot because I think man for man Australia is slightly better especially in bowling but if you can get some conditions that your guys can exploit then I think you've got more of a chance so but England you know, this game, they didn't get enough runs in the first innings. They should have got more. Uh, they could have got more. So Did know, they that not... was crucial. But because they haven't got a good enough bowling attack, they need those runs on the board. Did they not get enough runs because they declared or because they were too willful with their stroke well, A little bit of both. Uh, you know, if they declared, if they hadn't declared in the first innings, they probably would have got, I don't know, 430, 440. And that enables you to boss the game a bit more. And also in the second innings... One or two dismissals, Groot himself running down the wicket, first time he's ever been out stumped in his career. You you can't blame Root. I mean, he got 160 runs in the match for once out. So, you know, he had a fantastic game. But I I, I suppose a few slightly iffy dismissals in the second innings. They could have got just that extra 30 or 40 runs. I mean, that's being hypercritical. It's the first innings, you've got to get that big score. 
and then you've got to have the bowling attack to take the wickets mm. if you're going to win the toss. Usman Khawaja, player of the match. Uh, I don't know what would happen if England had won. Who would have been player well, of the it match? It would have been Root, wouldn't I it? I suppose so, yeah. yeah. I think it was that, Root and uh, Khawaja pretty much cancelled each other out in the game. Well, Khawaja got more runs, but Root obviously had his bowling as well, took some took one key wicket today, brilliant caught and bowled. I would have given it to Root if England had won, especially if Root had taken a second wicket or something, or you know, taken a, an inspiring catch. I mean, Root was was only out once in the the match, stumped miles down the wicket, and uh, he held in England's innings together in both innings. Kawaja deserves it, uh, you know. Again, he was the stabilising influence for Australia, and I think uh, also this was something we said last night: calm, composed character was really important for Australia on a tense, stressful fifth day with the crowd, you know, really goading England and galvanising them. You needed someone with that almost impervious personality at, at, at the wicket. Nothing seemed to phase him. He was just in his bubble all day, chipping away, and he drew England's sting very effectively. Mm. Fortress Edgbaston, it's been toppled twice yeah. in successive Ashes Test matches now by Australia. You play it here, it's sort of, it's not quite England's gabber, but it's sort of that idea, isn't it? You know, the, the, the crowd here are noisy, they really get behind the England side. And actually, it was noticeable that after the match had finished, I saw Stuart Broad go over to, to Nathan Lyon and Pat Cummins straight away and congratulate them. But the England players, they, they sort of turned to the Hollistan and applauded them for their support. But, you know, it's going to be a completely different sort of occasion. At Lords, a more sort of genteel, uh, polite uh, atmosphere uh, at Lords. I think that's one of the reasons why England don't particularly like playing at Lords because you don't get that raucous backing from the crowd. And England's record at Lords, well, against Australia, isn't particularly good, is it? And it's a funny place to play. It's almost a, a bit sort of a bit static as a. It's not very dynamic as a place to to play cricket. It's obviously a fantastic amphitheatre, an amazing ground, history, and everything. But it doesn't lift England quite as much as it as it, as it does here, so that's not a good sign either, really. But they do have the you know benefit of having played you know with the slope. They know they know those sort of conditions, don't they? They play you know a lot of Test match cricket there. What do England do then with their team uh, for the Lord's Test match? I mean, the word was with Moen you know a few days ago that he's you know going to be fit for Lord's. He's got a week. Uh, to get ready. I mean, does that really no, heal I, I, in a week? I, I'm sorry. No, Moen is out. He, he can't play again. I, ca I can't see how that's going to heal in time. I wouldn't have picked him anyway. Uh, I wouldn't have recalled him in the first place for the simple reason he just hasn't played much red ball cricket. And his record against Australia isn't particularly good anyway. And he hasn't enhanced it here particularly. So definitely I wouldn't be considering Moen. I, I think it's between, for a spinner, it's between Liam Dawson and Will Jacks, but Will Jacks hasn't had a great recent time with Surrey. hasn't even been bowling actually too much in the Vitality Blast. I think uh, Sunil Narine's been doing the spinning for for Surrey, so it does leave England a bit short of options. Well, that's why they went back to Mo, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, I, mean, I like Liam Dawson as a cricketer. Mm. You know, he's not going to spin you out. He's not going to bowl absolute sort of forty-five degree angle turning deliveries. But he's steady. He he, he knows what he's doing. He's very experienced. Uh, he's a strong, mentally strong, and and he can bat. And I think he's a sort of one of those sort of team players that would fit well into the England side. But I know they like Will Jacks. Mm. But I just question whether he's good enough with the ball at the moment to to justify playing again. I, I think England will if they pick Jacks, they're 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 going into the 
the game in the same way as they were here without a really top frontline spinner. Yeah, and then you just see the benefit of Nathan Lyon. We've discussed it already, but you just see the benefit of Nathan Lyon because he can hold an end, but he can also attack when necessary as well. I mean, it's, I mean, it's such a fantastic option to have. And England had it when they had Graham Swan, and to some extent with with Monty Panesar, didn't they? And, and Australia have got that now, and they've you know they've got one or two decent spinners coming through. I quite like the look of, of Todd Murphy as well. There's a few spinners who've not getting in Test matches. You, you, you almost want that loan system we have in County Cricket. Can you come and play for us? We haven't got one, but you know it, it, the English game needs to start producing them again because otherwise, you know, I mean, this is a, a bizarre surface in a way, wasn't? It? I mean, it was subcontinental, really, wasn't it, in, at Edgbaston? And the other point about Lords, uh, yours, is the is the it's going to be hot, isn't it? That the the, the, the long range forecast or you know, middling forecast, whatever, is for warm, dry weather stretching into the Lords Test match and beyond. So, you know, good luck with the ground staff there in in, in creating a pitch that you know is ready you know is, is in the right condition for the first day it's not not easy is it for for the grand staff to, to, to get it right it, you know it was a struggle here to get it right i mean it is not easy at all and you you almost i mean when you talk to groundsmen actually they they try to get a test pitch sort of ready almost a couple of days early so that it's just got a little bit of moisture in it on the t- two days out before the start of play, so that by the time it starts, there might just be a hint of moisture in it, but not too much, and then gradually over the days it, it dries out. But you, you want to start it with very low moisture uh, content, but just enough to hold it together. And that is a very, very precise art. You'll probably find, actually, at Lords over the next few days, it'll be watering, they'll be watering it now, because there hasn't been much water around the London area for, for some time. But they'll stop watering it probably about Saturday or Sunday at the weekend, and then they'll cover it mm. because they won't want it to dry out too quickly. Yeah. And they'll, so they'll cover it quite a lot during the day. They'll roll it, cut it, and cover it to stop it from, from drying out too quickly, especially if it's like 28 to 30 degrees. So what do we think is the moment of the match, I suppose, apart from obviously Zach Crawley drilling the first ball of the Ashes series to the extra cover boundary? Pick a moment that you think was a sort of defining moment of the match? Well, Apart from the winning moment. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are lots, aren't there? I mean, it's such a fantastic game. It's hard to know uh, where to start, really. But, uh, you know, Cummins was brilliant, wasn't he? With the ball and the bat, ultimately. He won the game for Australia with the bat. He was also sensational with the ball. I think that the ball that really stands out, when England were going well on that f- fourth morning and, you know, banging along, Pope and Root were going so well. And it looked as like though they were just going to take the game away from Australia. Cummins bowled that brilliant Yorker to Ollie Pope. So there are lots of you know, dramatic moments, lots of good balls in the game, and some of them uh, took wickets, some of them didn't. But that moment was absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was an in-swinging Yorker from the uh, brilliant Pat Cummins, swung late. It was at echoes of Wacker Eunice or, or many great right-arm fast bowlers of the past. And we're mentioning that because IG, our sponsors, have created the Net Gains Arena this simulator that you can go and experience great Ashes deliveries from the past. The likes of Graham Swan, we've seen it repeated a few times in this test match, actually. Graham Swan clean bowling, Ricky Ponting through the gate. Obviously, the brilliant uh, Shane Warne ball of the century in 1993. There's a ripper from Mitchell Johnson. There's also Steve Harmison's classic slower ball that cleaned up Michael Clark here in 2005, which led England to eventually winning by two runs. 
England could have done with a, an amazing delivery like that from uh, Stephen Harms and somebody producing a, a wicked slower ball today, but it just wasn't quite to be. So Pat Cummings wins it, I think, for the, the delivery of the match. And IG will add that, I think, to their list. They should add that to their list. You can go and face that in the simulator, the IG Net Gains Arena, at the next Test match at Lords. If you happen to be there, tickets are going for about fourteen hundred quid. You know, <laughs> I, I was asked for a couple actually, uh, for by a quite rich man, and the only ones I could find were fourteen hundred quid for for hospitality. So if you've got the money, there's still something out there for you, and you could have a go in the IG. Net Gains Arena, and for more information on IG's sponsorship of, of England and their Net Gains Fund, you go to ig.com forward slash investing. Well, the, a Lord's ticket is is going to be hot, isn't it? Well, in all sorts of ways, because it's, it's going to be warming up as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be another demanding test match for, for the players. I mean, if they're going to play on pitches like this, perhaps they'll have, hope to have a bit more pace in it. If they're going to play on hard and flat surfaces, what which Ben Stokes has asked for, then the bowlers are going to have to work damn hard at Lords as well, in, in in much hotter conditions than the ones we had here. I feel for them. I feel for them. Every every step that Stuart Broad, age thirty six, Jimmy Anderson, age forty, take, charging into bowl and trying to get something out of this pitch, I feel it. I feel uh, I feel their pain. Ben Stokes. I mean, he's really gritting his way through the pain barrier as well, bowling his few overs. So it's going to be more of the same, I think, at Lords. Uh, what a few days off? Have you got any plans? Are you going to sort of lie down and get your breath back I, or something? I wish I could. I've got lots of things to do in the next week, including uh, go to the Oval to watch Surrey against Lancashire for a, for a couple of days. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But you, you do feel, and you could you could sort of, you feel the players' pain in a way. I could, there's a week between this Test match and the, and the next one, so that, that's a decent recovery time, isn't it? But then after Lords, it's only three days before the Headingley Test match. You know that really is back to back. So a bit of a bit of a break for the players, and just to assimilate what's happened over the last few days. I mean, you know, elongated Test match finishing at half past seven on the final day, so emotionally draining as well. Uh, at least they've got a week. I mean, imagine having a three-day turnaround going into the next Test match. I mean, that would be tough, wouldn't it? But if, if Lords is like this, goodness, they'll be they'll be, um, they'll be dragging themselves up the up the uh, down the Kirkstall Lane to, to to get to Headingley for the next game. Well, it's it's all set up brilliantly for the rest of the series. Obviously, this match totally lived up to the hype. And there's more Ashes for you in a couple of days mm. because it's the women's Ashes yeah. starting on Thursday at Trent Bridge. The first ever five-day women's test match in the Ashes, a one-off at Trent Bridge. And we're covering every one of those days at Trent Bridge with our sister podcast, Storylines, which is doing a daily podcast from the women's Ashes from Trent Bridge. So look out for that from Thursday afternoon. I'm actually going to go and watch a, a women's game myself tomorrow. I'm going to go and watch my daughter play in the final of the British Universities competition. It's Durham against Loughborough at a little ground in Leicestershire. So I'm looking forward to that as well. OK, well, well, good luck to her and all the players playing in that match and the Ashes uh, test match as well. What's it time for now? I think it's time for ice baths for everyone, isn't it? And that's where we're going. Probably with a maybe a beer at the same time. Well played, Australia, by yeah, the way. Fantastic. A fantastic game. Well played, all 22 players. It's been a compelling watch, and let's hope for more of the same. Indeed. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you at Lords.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.